16 through 21, and I'm going to be reading it from the English Standard Version. Look carefully, then, how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you that your word and your truth is freely available to us, that we have the privilege to gather together as the local church, to hear the gospel preached, to have your word taught, and to build up and edify one another. We give thanks for the leaders that you have equipped to pastor this local body. We thank you for Eddie's preparation for teaching this message tonight. We ask that your spirit would guide him um, as he delivers your truth. And would you put us in a posture, Lord, of not only greater understanding of your word, but also of greater willingness to obey. And we acknowledge fully that we are incapable of doing so in our own strength, but that we can rely on you, the author of salvation, to help us. So would you be glorified and honored by our praise this evening and by the teaching and receiving of this word? In the name of Jesus, we ask these things. Amen. Ephesians chapter 5. Starting in verse 15. Pay careful attention then to how you walk, not as unwise people, but as wise. So Paul says here, be, pay careful attention, um, be mindful then of how you walk or how you live, he says. Not as unwise people. And unwise is, simply means foolish, living foolishly, um, careless lives. Um, as if we don't think about how we live. You just live just carefree and just foolishly. There's not wisdom in that at all. He said we are not to live like that um, as, as, as people of God. We need to pay attention then to how we walk, not as unwise people, but as wise people. And the opposite of unwise is wise, and the opposite of, of foolishness is wisdom. And being wise in this particular instance is being skillful application of God's word. That's how we walk wisely as believers, is we walk skillfully and properly applying the word of God to our lives. Um, in other words, we have, we have traced the course of all things in our life, and we walk accordingly. The Bible is our guide for how to walk wisely in this life. So we are, par- we are paying careful attention then uh, to walking and to living not as unwise people, but as wise people as we dig in and follow the instructions of the Word of God. Okay, making the most of the time, because the days are evil. He said, making the most of the time, and this word means to buy or to redeem. And it's talking about a decisive moment, making the most of every opportune time. And that the word is, is, is kairos, and it's referring to a season of time. Um, that we are to make the most of the season of time. And it's different than chronos. Chronos is referring to clock time, you know, and that's not what he's talking about here. He's talking about a season of time. So we are to make the most of, to redeem, to make a decisive moment, make the most of every opportune time that we have. Um, making the most of that time, of that kairos moment, that season. We are to take advantage of every opportunity we get. And we hear this a lot, you know, about making... Um, taking advantage of this opportunity or taking advantage of this time. And that's wisdom. And that's what he's talking about here. We are to make the most, to redeem the time we have. In Colossians chapter 4, at the same time, pray also for us that God may open a door to us for for the message, to speak the mystery of the Messiah for which I am in prison, so that I may reveal it as I am required to speak. Act wisely, there he goes again, toward outsiders. He said, particularly be wisdom use wisdom towards people who are not saved. We need to really be wise in how we deal with people who don't know God. He said, act wisely towards outsiders, making the most of the time. There it is again. Your speech should always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you should answer each person. So we are to make the most of the time, in particular, with dealing with people who are not saved, who don't know God. So take, take, take advantage of that season, whatever that season is. When you come across somebody in particular who doesn't know God, whether it's an opportunity at lunchtime on the job or at the bus stop or at the family reunion 
whatever the situation may be, here's an opportunity for me to share the gospel. Paul says, take advantage of that time. And he says, because the days are evil, he says. You understand that we are living in evil times. We are living in evil times. Just turn on the TV or just walk out your front door. We are living in evil times. And he said, because of that, take advantage of every opportunity to pull somebody in, snatch them out of the fire, as it says in the book of Jude. Make the most of that time because the days are evil. All right. Um, Psalm 90. For all our days ebb away under your wrath. We end our years like a sigh. Our lives last 70 years, or if we are strong, 80 years. So 70 years is a long time to live, even today. That's a long time. So our, our lives last 70 years, and he says, if we are strong, 80 years. If by the grace of God he gives you 10 more, okay, good. You live to be 80. Thank God for that. That's, that's, that's the grace of God. Even the best of them are struggle and sorrow. Living a long life is, a, is almost like a double-edged sword. You know, it can be good on one end, and then on the other end, it's not so good. Because it can be full of, of sorrow, struggle and sorrow, those 70 or 80 years. Indeed, they pass quickly. And as you know, time flies. It just seemed like last week I was 21. You know, it's been a long time. But it goes by so quickly, and we can all attest to that. You can remember when I was such and such a time, and it just seemed like it was yesterday. Because they pass quickly and we fly away. Who understands the power of your anger? Your wrath matches the fear that is due you. Teach us to number our days carefully. Same thing. Teach us to make the most of the time. That's an Old Testament example of what I just read in, in, in the New Testament. He says, teach us to number our days carefully so that we may develop wisdom. There's that wisdom again. Wise. Wisdom in our hearts. And this is Old Testament. This is Moses writing in the Old Testament. He said the same thing. He says, teach us to number our days, to take advantage of the opportune times that we have and live wisely so that we may develop wisdom in our hearts because the days are evil. And so uh, make the most of the time. Go back to the uh, making the most of the time because the days are evil. Verse 17. So don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. He said, don't be foolish. So this foolish means without reason. It's want of mental sanity and sobriety. Lack of common sense perception of the reality of things natural or spiritual. That's deep. He says, it's the lack of common sense perception of the reality of things natural or spiritual. That's a fool. You don't even have common sense about these kind of things. It's, it's an unwise ordering of one's life in regard to salvation. Unwise ordering in one's life in regard to salvation. Psalm 14.1 says, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Psalm 53.1 says the same thing. The fool has said in his heart. No, he, said, he said, it's in his heart. He said, he didn't just think it. He said, it's in his heart. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. That's a fool. It's unwise ordering of one's life in regard to salvation. Salvation means nothing to fools. People who don't believe there is a God, salvation means nothing to them. And it says we are not to be foolish like that. We're not to live without reason. We are made in the image and likeness of God, which gives us reason, but we live like we don't have it. Sometimes fools live like they don't have reason. Okay? Uh, Matthew chapter 7. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a sensible man or a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the rivers rose, and the winds blew and pounded that house. Yet it didn't collapse because its foundation was on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the rivers rose, the winds blew and pounded that house, and it collapsed, and its collapse was great. He said because he didn't build his house on a foundation, a firm foundation, which is Jesus Christ, he said he was a fool. He was a foolish man, and he built this house on the sand. Can you imagine a house being built on the sand? All it has to do is rain, <laughs> and your house is done. He said that's, that's a foolish man who builds a house like that. There's another scripture in, in Matthew 25 which talks about the five wise virgins and the five foolish virgins. It says five were wise and five were foolish. And 
The foolish ones didn't prepare for the Lord's return. And the Bible says they were foolish. And then when the, when, when, when the knock came at the door, they, came, they went running to the wise people's house. Give us oil for our lamps. He said, no, no, mm, 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 mm. no, no, you should have you been wise like us and prepared for this time. But because they were foolish, they didn't. So in the book of Proverbs in particular, Proverbs chapter 12, talks a lot about fools, about foolishness. And this is just one verse, but there's so many verses in the book of Proverbs you can go to that contrast foolishness and wisdom. But this one says, a fool's way is right in his own eyes. Fools live like they know everything. They write in their own eyes. They don't listen to nobody. You can't tell them nothing. A fool's way is right in his own eyes, but whoever listens to counsel is wise. Whoever listens to counsel is wise. Blessed is the man that doesn't walk in the counsel of the ungodly, the Bible says in Psalm 1. He doesn't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. Don't pay so much attention to people who are ungodly. The fool, the fool's way is right in his own eyes, but whoever listens to counsel is wise. So we are to live, making most of our time, not foolishly without reason, as if we live in, we're just living like whatever happens, happens. Que rah, sarah. We are not to live like that as believers. All right. But understand what the Lord's will is. Understand what the Lord's will is. To understand means to see with one view, to be aware, and to be conscious. Conscious as the result of mental perception. That's what it means to understand. We have to be conscious as a, as, as a result of mental perception. I'm paying attention. I'm to understand. I'm to see with one view what God's will is for me. Okay? He said, understand that, what the Lord's will is. Understand, not just understand, but understand what God's will is. And his will... First and foremost, primarily, is his word. So if you want to know what God's will is, read the book. And everywhere where it says, and this is the will of God, and this is the will of God, and this is the will of God, and you know what God's will is. It's not hard. See, God's, not, God's will is not some bullseye we're supposed to reach for and hit. A lot of people think that if I can just find God's will in this, what do you, what do you mean? Because we think God has a specific uh, like I said, a bullseye that we have to hit. And that's not the case at all. Um, I mean, obviously, there's things you, you, you pray for direction, and we'll get into that too. Um, but don't look for this specific bullseye that you feel like if you, if you miss, then you're out of God's will. Just go and see what, what God's will is. God's will for me to be saved, sanctified, for me to submit. It tells you what, for this, when, when it says, for this is the will of God, now you know what God's will is. Now go do it. And you're in God's will. <laughs> he didn't, God's not hiding anything from anybody. He's not hiding. So now, you can find out his will through, through Scripture, uh, through prayer, through worship, through guidance, godly counsel. Blessed is the man that doesn't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. But go get godly counsel. And, you, and that's the way to discover God's will. But primarily, first and foremost, is through the Word of God. Now, there's the general will of God. And then there's a specific or special will of God. Now, what do I mean? Now, the general will of God is the Bible. Study to show yourself approved. A workman need not be ashamed, rightly dividing word of truth. The general will is what the Bible says. Now, there's a specific will that you might need to pray about. Okay, I don't know God's will in this specific situation. Okay, now, that's a special or a, a will of God. An example is in, 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 a, in a book of Acts. Um, with the 11 disciples, and they were praying for somebody to, to replace Judas. Now, they didn't know what God's will was in that. So the Bible says they prayed, and they cast thoughts, which they did before the time of the Holy Spirit. They did that. But they had to get God's specific will for that situation, because they didn't know who was supposed to replace Judas. So that was a specific will they needed to pray. But notice what they did. They prayed. They prayed. Because the Bible wouldn't have told them that, necessarily. You know what I'm saying? So um, there's specific things that the Bible may not tell you. It may give you direction and guidance, but it may not tell you this is what I want you to do necessarily. And even things, simple, simple things like some things we don't even really need God's um, uh, direction on. Things like so some things God doesn't care about. Like God doesn't care what I have for breakfast. 
I don't need to pray about that. God, wish I had a, I know a friend of mine, a brother, he used to, he was so deep. But he prayed, he said, probably simple stuff like that he would pray for. You know, I'm praying to see what God wants me to eat for breakfast. I'm praying to see what God wants me to wear today. God doesn't really care what you wear. And he came to church one day, with, and he was dressed real weird. And he said that God told him to wear that today. <laughs> okay. Trust me, that wasn't God. Trust me, it wasn't, it wasn't God. <laughs> but sometimes we can get so deep and say, God doesn't care. You know. Now, God may have a specific college he may want you to go to. That may be. You know, he may want you to go to a certain um, college, maybe work in a specific area. Yeah, that may be. But little things like that I'm talking about, I don't need to pray about what to eat for breakfast. Just go eat. Now, whether I have five bowls of cereal or two, okay, that's another question. You know, <laughs> may not God be God's will for me to have six, seven bowls of cereal. <laughs> that's just stupidity, you know, and, 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 and greediness. But anyway, you get my point. Okay, so there's a general will of God, which is the Bible, then a specific or special will of God in a specific area. Okay, all right. So don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Verse 18, and don't get drunk with wine. Okay, now, don't get drunk with wine. Now, um, the word drunk in the Greek means drunk. <laughs> it means, it means ain't deep. It means intoxicated. <laughs> It means the same thing. <laughs> okay? Don't get drunk. Whether you speak in English or Greek, it means the same thing. Don't get drunk with wine. And because it says wine, doesn't mean the whiskey's okay. Okay? So don't get drunk with wine, he says. Okay, now, why? Now, and we, all know, we all know and have seen drunk people. Some of us have been those drunk people. And we know with that what happens with drunk people. Okay? All right. Um, because it leads to reckless actions. But first of all, let's go, to, let's go to Proverbs chapter 20. Wine is a mocker, beer is a brawler, and whoever staggers because of them is not wise. And I was like, whoa, did he say beer? <laughs> Wine is a mocker, beer is a brawler, and whoever staggers because of this is not wise. In other words, don't get drunk. It's too, it's not, getting drunk is foolish. He said it's not wise. It's not wise. Plain and simple. That's an easy scripture to understand. Proverbs chapter 23. This, is a little, this gives a little more detail. <laughs> Proverbs chapter 23. Who has woe? Who has sorrow? Who has conflicts? Who has complaints? Who has wounds for no reason? Who has red eyes? Those who linger over wine. Those who go looking for mixed wine. You go looking for it. You're trying to get drunk. That's your goal Friday night, is to just go out and get wasted. Don't gaze at wine because it is red. When it gleams in the cup and goes down smoothly, in the end, it bites like a snake and stings like a vapor. Now, these are metaphors of what wine, alcohol can do, can do, overly consumed. It gleams in the cup and it goes down smoothly. You know, it tastes good. It goes down smoothly. You know how we describe that. In the end, it bites like a snake and stings like a viper. Your eyes will see strange things, pink elephants and stuff. And you will say absurd things. Now, we've heard drunk people say really crazy stuff. When you get drunk, you see crazy stuff, you say crazy things. You know, when people certainly never, I mean, alcohol affects different people differently. Some people just go to sleep and some people, you know, they get violent and, and some people start talking and saying stuff that, you know, they don't need to say. Some people let out family secrets and everything, you know, when they get drunk and, you know, <laughs> you know they start talking and, then, oh, you know, you know that ain't your real daddy. You know, all that kind of stuff, you know. <laughs> you know and then, and then the, your mama's mad and everybody got to put him out the house and, because he's drunk. And he starts saying stuff. You'll be... <laughs> You'll be like someone sleep, sleeping out at sea or lying down on the top of a ship's mast. They struck me, but I feel no pain. You beat somebody up, they, have no, they don't even feel it. They're so drunk, they don't even feel the pain. They beat me, but I didn't know it. When will I wake up? I'll look for another drink. Go out and just go out and just repeat the whole thing. You don't even remember, you know, you don't, when you get drunk, you don't even remember what happened. And people will laugh at that, you know, oh, you, you know what you did last night? No, what? I don't... We make movies about it called Hangover. You know, you don't remember what happened. You know, 
And it's funny, we, we joke about it because it's, don't get drunk, Paul said. It's foolishness. He said, back to, he lead, it leads to reckless actions. Reckless actions. What are you talking about? A riot, a wasteful use of, of, of resources, debauchery, corruption, bad decisions. You don't make a good decision when you're drunk. It leads to corruption. I mean, and it, and it's, and it leads to, it ruins families. People who grew up with alcoholic father or mother, it's not a pleasant experience. It's not a pleasant experience. There's support groups for, for, of children, for children who grew up with alcoholic parents to deal with all of that. We have a whole organization called MAD, Mothers Against Drunk Drivers, because a woman's son was killed by a drunk driver, so she started a support group for mothers who, who lose Loved ones, people who lose loved ones, mothers against drunk drivers. And I think there's one called SAD, students against drunk drivers too as well, to deal with all of the reckless actions of people who get drunk. And we've all seen it. It leads to reckless actions. But be filled with the Spirit. Instead of getting drunk with wine, Paul says, be filled with the Spirit. What does that mean? Living continuously under the influence of the Spirit, by letting the Word control us, living in conscious presence of Jesus Christ. That's what it means to live, uh, to, to be filled with the Spirit. The fruit is confession, purity of life, dying to yourself, surrendering to the will of God. All of that leads, all of that being filled with the Spirit, that's what it leads to. See, being drunk with wine leads to reckless actions. Being filled with the Spirit leads to a life of holiness. Galatians chapter 5, I say then, walk by the Spirit, which is the same as be filled with the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of your flesh. You need the power of the Spirit of God to say no to your flesh. Walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh, for the flesh desires what is against the Spirit. Your flesh is not saved. It's not saved. And... It desires what is against the Spirit, and the Spirit desires what is against the flesh. These are opposed to each other. They're forces fighting each other so that you don't do what you want. Your flesh and your spirit is constantly battling, or is it just me? Constantly battling. And whichever you feed more will be stronger. Which one you feeding? Your flesh or your spirit? What does your, your spirit man look like? If I could see your spirit man, what does he look like? What does she look like? Does it look like the incredible honk or Beetle Bailey? What does your flesh look like? Is your flesh all puffed up and, and your spirit is... Whatever you feed more, that's what's going to grow. You got to starve your flesh. Starve it. You can't feed it. And I'm not saying this is easy, going to happen overnight, but it got, it's a consistent thing. You got to do it consistently. Same thing with your spirit. You got to stay in the book. You got to stay in scripture. Stay in prayer. That's why Paul said, pray uh, without ceasing. Without ceasing. Continuously feed your spirit. Can, whether it's through scripture, that's primary. Through, through worship, which we're going to talk about in a minute. Through song, we're going to talk about in a second. But... Uh, Rather than reading spiritual, spiritually, spiritual books that will build you up, listening to good teaching, good, good sermons, feed your spirit. Starve that flesh. Whatever you starve will eventually die. Whatever you starve to death will eventually die. That's why if we don't eat, we die. When animals don't eat, they die. You don't feed your plants, they die. Whatever you don't feed dies. Walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. Okay, all right. Now, listen, this is, and, and being filled with the Spirit is not an emotional experience. Please. It's not an emotion. It doesn't mean that we don't have emotion, or you may not respond emotionally, but it's not an emotional experience only. You can be filled with the Spirit, walking in the Spirit, and not show any emotion. And at the same time, you can be showing all this motion, and the Spirit ain't nowhere around. <laughs> So don't be fooled by emotionalism, okay? 
Not saying there's anything wrong with that in its rightful place, but that's not the, the, the gouge <laughs> necessarily. Okay, you get my point? So it's not an emotional experience. So don't look for emotion all the time. And we're individuals. Everybody responds differently. Okay, we're individuals. Some people are very emotional, and that's fine. You know, and they, when, it, when, you, when they get filled with the Spirit, however, and you'll see it, you know, whether it's through tears or, or whatever. And then some people just get quiet, and they don't say anything. They just, and that's okay. And they're both being filled with the Spirit. You know, um, don't judge based on your standard and how you respond or how the church you came from responds. See, the church I was at before, you can tell when the Spirit showed up. Because the people acted like this. You say, well, I don't see no spirit here. Because <laughs> anybody responding, quote unquote. You, know what I'm, you see what I'm saying? You know, don't let culture mess you up. Amen? Yeah. All right, verse 19. Now, here, starting at verse 19, is the result of being filled with the spirit. Okay, there are several things he's going to talk about that are a result of being filled with the Spirit. Speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Speaking to one another. Hymn singing is is primarily, if I can say this, a gathering experience. We ought to do this as we gather, which we do. Um, But it's something, too, when we gather as a body to sing to God. And we're going to talk more about that in a minute. Um, But it's a church gathering experience, activity. Okay, but we do that. We speak to one another. He said, notice he said we speak to one another too. In hymns, psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Now, what are psalms? Psalms are sacred songs sung to musical accompaniment. That's what a, that's what a psalm is. And we got a whole book full of them, the book of psalms. And those are, are, are sacred songs that are sung to musical accompaniment. And when you hear a song, that's, that, that when, when somebody records a psalm, it is a beautiful song. It is. When you just, I love to just sing scripture. And that's what you, when, you, when, you, when you sing the Psalms and you just sing scripture, there's nothing like that. And I love that. I love that. So Psalm is a sacred song sung to musical accompaniment. Hymns are songs of praise addressed to God. That's what a hymn is. Songs of praise addressed to God. When you listen to the old, old hymns, those lyrics are addressed to God primarily. And those are hymns. And I love hymns. Hymns are some of the best songs ever written in the history of the world. When you read the, the lyrics to hymns, the theology in hymns is just so good. When you, when you, great is thy faithfulness and, 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 and holy, 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 those words, how great thou art, it is well with my soul. You know, those songs, the lyrics, it's like, ah. But that's what a hymn is, a song of praise addressed to God. And spiritual songs are, excuse me, spontaneous songs. Um, it's this songs of which the burden is things revealed by the Spirit. When the Spirit reveals something to you and just gives you a song on the spot. And sometimes it's songs of testimony. You know, it could be a song about your, about your life or something that God has brought you through. Spontaneous songs of testimony, um, which the Spirit prompts you to sing. Those are spiritual songs. And they says we are to, once we get filled with the Spirit, we are to speak to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. And he says, singing and making music from your heart to the Lord. Singing. Singing is used of praise to God, and it's the result of being filled with the Spirit. There is power in singing. Um, Like I said, particularly when we get together, um, but singing is a powerful tool to to bring in, to take you into the presence of God, to to cause you to feel um, God's love. There's different ways to do that, and singing is one of them. Singing is a gift that God has given us. Second Chronicles chapter 20. Before you go there, let me read something. I want to, uh, let's go, let's go first to chapter 5. Second Chronicles chapter 5, yeah. Now all the priests who were present had consecrated themselves regardless of their divisions. When the priests came out of the holy place, the Levitical singers, singers now, dressed in fine linen and carrying cymbals, harps, and Lowry's were standing east of the altar. So the singers are coming out with their instruments, okay? Standing east of the altar, and with them were 120 priests blowing the trumpets. Okay, so they had the horn section going, all right? <laughs> the Levitical singers were descendants of Asaph, Heman, and Jeduthun. 
and their sons and relatives. The trumpeters and singers joined together to praise and thank the Lord with one voice. So the musicians and the singers joined together to praise and thank the Lord with one voice. They raised their voices accompanied by trumpets and cymbals. They raised their voices accompanied by trumpets, cymbals, and musical instruments in praise to the Lord. And this is what they said, for he is good, his faithful love endures forever. That's all they said. For he is good, his faithful love endures forever. The temple, the Lord's temple, was filled with a cloud. And because of the cloud, the priests were not able to continue ministering for the glory of the Lord filled God's temple. Wow. Okay, so here. They're in the temple, the singers, the musicians, and they started singing, for he is good, for his love endures forever. And then the temple was filled with the cloud. Remember, remember God um, led them by a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. So the temple was filled with the cloud. Inside the temple was filled with the cloud. It was called the Shekinah glory, they called it. The glory of God filled the temple. And because of the cloud, the priests were not able to continue ministering. God's presence was so thick in that place. It's like God told the, the priest, sit down. I don't, I don't need you. Sit down. They couldn't continue to minister because of the glory, the Shekinah glory of God. When we get the, and it started with the singers, folks. They were singing. When we sing to God like that, God is pleased. God pleases to dwell amongst his people when they worship him in song like that. There is nothing like a church singing in harmony and unison to God. I don't care if you can't sing. That don't even matter. When God hears that, the glory cloud. It was acceptance of the temple, yes. For the glory of the Lord filled God's temple. Okay, all right. I want to read something before we go to, before we go to chapter, chapter 20. Now, this is the story of Jehoshaphat, okay, um, against the enemy, the Moabites. And, uh, let, let's read. I'm starting at verse 20. After this, the Moabites and the Ammonites, together with some of the Meunites, came to fight against Jehoshaphat. People came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast multitude from beyond the Dead Sea and from Edom has come to fight against you. All right, they're coming up against you, Jehoshaphat. They are, re- they are already in Hazan Tamor, that is in Gedi. Jehoshaphat was afraid. Now, this is the king. He's scared because it was a whole multitude. They was outnumbered. He said, Jehoshaphat was afraid, so he resolved to seek the Lord because he got scared. Okay, I need to go pray. I'm scared. He went, Whenever you get scared, just go pray. Go pray. He resolved to seek the Lord, so he proclaimed a fast for all Judah. Okay, y'all, don't nobody eat. Okay. He proclaimed a fast for all Judah who gathered to seek the Lord. They even came from all the cities of Judah to seek him. Now, this is Jehoshaphat's prayer. Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the Lord's temple before the new courtyard. And he said, Lord God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven? And do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nations? That's a great way to start a prayer. Lord, you are God and you are God over everything, every nation. Start your prayer out like that. (laughs) Power and might are in your hand. And no one can stand against you. Whew, listen to this. Are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of the land before your people Israel and who gave it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? They have lived in the land and have built you a sanctuary in it for your name and have said, if disaster comes on us, sword of judgment, pestilence or famine, we will stand before this temple and before you. For your name is in this temple. We will cry out to you because of your distress and you will hear and deliver. That's what you said, God. You promised to hear and deliver if we pray to you. Now here, now here are the Ammonites, the Moabites, and the inhabitants of Mount Seir. You did not let Israel invade them when Israel came out of the land of Egypt. Okay, you you told us not to bother them. Okay, but Israel turned away from them and did not destroy them. Okay, you told us to leave them alone, and we did. Look how they are repaying us by coming to drive us out of your possession that you gave us as an inheritance. Now we let them live, and now they're trying to kill us. This is how they're paying us back, Lord. Pay attention, God. Our God, will you not judge them? For we are powerless before this vast multitude to come to fight against us. Well, Lord, we are we powerless against them. We're way outnumbered. We're powerless against them. He said, we don't know what to do, but we look to you. I love that. Lord, we don't know what to do. Lord, I don't know what to do, but I'm looking to you, Jesus. 
I don't know what to do, but God, you're all I got. That's what they said. That's what Job, that's what he prayed. And this is God's answer. All Judah were standing before the Lord with their infants, their wives, and their children. So the whole families were there. This, this is the people of God. The whole family, the kids are there. In the midst of the congregation, the Spirit of the Lord came on Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, son of Benaiah, son of Jeel, son of Mathaniah, a Levite, a singer, from Asaph's descendants. And he said, listen carefully, all Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat. Everybody listen to me. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast, vast multitude. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Understand that. When, you, when the enemy's on your tail on your back, this is not your battle. This is God's battle. He said, the battle ain't yours. This is God's battle. Tomorrow, go down against them. I said, he said, the battle ain't yours, but I want you to go down there anyway. Go down against them. You will see them coming up, coming up the ascent of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the valley facing the wilderness of Jeruel. I'm going to show you where they're at. You do not have to fight this battle. He told him again, you don't have to fight this battle. Then he says, position yourselves. I'm like, well, wait a minute. If I ain't got to fight, why I got to go down there and position myself? That don't make sense to me. This is me talking about it. That don't make sense to me, God. I'm thinking like, okay, we ain't got to fight. Then why do you got to go position myself? I can just stay home. <laughs> and you be God. Position yourselves, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord. He is with you, Judah, and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Tomorrow, go out to face them, for the Lord is with you. Then Jehoshaphat bowed with his face to the ground, and all Judah and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord to worship him. <laughs> After they heard that, they just said, all we can do now is worship. After, just worship. They said, we, okay, that's, God said, okay, now we just worship. Then the Levites from the sons of Kohathites and the Korathites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel, shouting in a loud voice. <laughs> he says, they stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel, shouting in a loud voice. They weren't like, Lord, we thank you. Bless you, Lord. No, no. Lord, we thank you, God. Yes, Lord, we love you. Thank you for... In a loud voice. They weren't quiet. I'm just, I'm just reading what the, what the Scripture says. Now listen, they went out... They went out Okay, understand what happened. They came together to deal with a crisis. A vast multitude is coming against them. They wanted to deal with that. How we deal with this, God? We scared, Lord. And they went out to deal with the crisis, and it turned into a praise and worship service. <laughs> Did you hear what I said? It turned into a praise and worship service. They just said, okay, we'll just praise God. When you don't know what to do, like you said, we don't know what to do, just worship. That's never a bad idea. Never. Lord, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. Just worship. Okay, where the singers at? All right, choir, come on, let's go. Where's the praise and worship team? Come on, let's go. See, our weapons of warfare are not like the world. We don't fight like the world. We fight with singing. <laughs> Verse 18. 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 18. In the morning, they got up early and went out to the wilderness of Tekoa. As they were about to go out, Joseph had stood and said, Hear me, Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in Yahweh your God, and you will be established. Believe in his prophets, and you will succeed. Then he consulted with the people and appointed some to sing. Here we go. He consulted with the people, appointed some to sing for the Lord, and some to praise the splendor of his holiness. When they went out in front of the armed forces, now listen to this. The choir went out in front of the armed forces. Yes. This is their battle plan. <laughs> this is their battle plan. They kept singing. This is what they were saying. Give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. That was the whole song. <laughs> That's all they said. Give thanks to the Lord for his faithful love endures forever. The moment they began their shouts and praises, I love this part. The moment they started praising and shouting God, the Lord sent an ambush against the Ammonites, the Moabites, and the inhabitants of Mount Seir who came out to fight against Judah, and they were defeated. Listen, the moment they started singing and praising, singing, 
Give thanks to the Lord for his faithful love endures forever. The Bible says when they started that, God said, okay, this sounds so good. I can't let y'all interrupt this. So God went to the enemy and just did his little thing. The Bible says he set an ambush. I don't know what he did, but he set an ambush against them. But he goes, y'all can't interrupt this praise over here. This sounds so good. I'm loving this. I can't let y'all do this. Like, I'll take y'all out first. You can't interrupt this. I will take you out. My people are worshiping me in song. You can't. This sounds so good. I can't let you stop this. That's what it said. He said when, it, when he heard, the moment they began their shouts and praises. See, again, it wasn't quiet shouts and praises. It was loud. They were like, God, you need to hear this. Look, we outnumbered. They about to come take us. God. They wasn't being, you know, reserved. Because they's about to die. <laughs> See, when you're about to die, <laughs> you ch- your praise will change. <laughs> when the enemy about to take you out. <laughs> See, all that stuff goes out the window. And in the book of Revelation, even in the book of Revelation, I'm jumping, but it's praise in the book of Revelation. Eric Mason said, when we get to heaven, everybody's going to be charismatic when we get to heaven, when they praise. <laughs> the moment they began to shout to pray, the Lord sent an ambush against the Ammonites, the Moabites, and the inhabitants of Mount Seir, and who came to fight against them. They were defeated. The Ammonites and Moabites turned against the inhabitants of Mount Seir and completely annihilated them. When they had finished with the inhabitants of Seir, they helped destroy each other. <laughs> God said. <laughs> and so, the, let's... They went out, the choir went out in front of the, the army. That don't make sense. That don't make sense. But see, God don't fight like we do. And when he heard it, he said, nope, y'all done. <laughs> y'all ain't stopping this. See, when we get together, the power of singing is what I'm trying to get you to see. The power of singing praises and worship to God. That moves God. We saw it twice. And you may say, okay, all right, all right, all right, Eddie. That was Old Testament. That was Old Testament. Acts chapter 16. At midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Here we go again. (laughs) Now, they in jail, bound, locked up. And the Bible says, at midnight. Why midnight? I don't know. You might want to try that. At midnight, just start singing. At midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. <laughs> See, the other folk in jail listening too. Who are these school fools up here singing? Suddenly, I like that word. I like where it just says suddenly. <laughs> there was a shake. There was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the jail were shaken. And immediately the doors were opened, and everyone's chains came loose. Listen to this, y'all. Listen, listen. Paul and Silas at midnight started singing. I don't know what they were singing. I don't know. They might have been singing, you know, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, the earth is full of your glory. They might have been singing, um, you know, great is thy faithfulness. I don't know. It's just, but they were singing. Something worshipful maybe. I don't know. But I like to think that maybe they, they might sped it up a little bit. You know, they got, got it real black and sanctified and said, you know, I don't know. I'm a soldier in the army of the Lord. I'm a soldier in the army. They might have been singing that. I don't know. You know. Or they could have been singing, what a mighty God we serve. What a mighty God we serve. They could have been singing that. I don't know. I don't know. Don't even matter. Whether it was Chris Tomlin or Fred Hammond, don't matter, don't matter, don't matter. But they were singing hymns to God. And suddenly, there was a violent earthquake, and the foundation of the jail were shaken. And in me, the doors were open, and everybody's chains came to. Listen, everybody got free. Not just Paul and Silas. This was sounding so good to God. He said, I'm going to set all y'all free. I'm going to set everybody free. Let me use my little sanctified imagination for a minute. The Bible says there was a sudden earthquake. I believe God was tapping his foot on the, on the, on the roof of the jail cell. He was it sounded so good. He was just, and it caused an earthquake. That's just me. That's just, that's just me. And everybody's chains came loose. God said, I'm going to free all y'all. When the jailer woke up and saw the doors of the prison open, he drew his sword and was, and was going to kill himself since he thought the prisoners had escaped. 
But Paul called out in a loud voice, don't harm yourself because all of us are here. Don't worry, that's all. We're just praising God. You're good. Don't worry. But it's just a worship service. That's all. Then the jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he escorted them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? <laughs> this jailer said, listen, I don't know who this God is, but just because y'all were singing he did this? I need to know this God. He said, what do I need to do? What do I need to do to get saved? They said, believe on the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Listen, he wants to save you. He'll save you. He'll save your wife. He'll save your kids. He'll save your mama. He'll save your Uncle Leroy. He'll save your nephew Tommy, your brother Peter. He'll save, he'll save your Aunt Bessie. Everybody will get saved. What must I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved in your household. Then they spoke the message of the Lord to him along with everyone in his house. He took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. Right away, he and all his family were baptized. He brought them into his house, set a meal before them. They ate. See, it's always good to eat after a praise and worship service. You know, we do that in a black church all the time. We go right to, right to the restaurant after church. You know, that's where we go. <laughs> he brought them into his house, set a meal before them, and rejoiced because he had believed God and his entire household. But it started with a song. It started with a song. And God was so pleased. God was enjoying it so much. He just set everybody free. The power of psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs when we sing to God. All right. I got to go. Okay. 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 All right. Uh, Making, go back to the the original verse. Yes. Making music from your heart to the Lord. Making music from your heart. uh, Colossians chapter 3. Let the message about the Messiah dwell richly among you, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom and singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. There it is again. With gratitude in your hearts to God. Same thing. Now, in other words, in the other verse, he said, I'm speaking to one another. And he says, you can do this by yourself even, in your hearts to God. I've done that. You know, I think we've all done that. Just singing by yourself. Just by yourself, whether it's in the house or in the car. You know, just singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Just singing to God. You know, I've been in a car and almost had to pull over. Because, you know, it's just so good. You know, you can do it not just here. But even when you're by yourself, and God will show up just like he did. He'll show up for you by yourself. (laughs) All right. Um, Verse 20. Giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Give thanks in everything, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. He said, give thanks in everything. He didn't say for everything. He said, give thanks in everything. So as as a Christian, thankfulness ought to be our second nature. Thankfulness ought to be like breathing to us. We ought to be, the Bible is so full, chock full of verses that talk about being thankful to God. Rejoice in the Lord. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, make your request known to God. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. And into his course of prayer. When we come in here, we ought to be saying thank you. When I come through the door, into his gates with thanksgiving. When I come in here, I ought to be saying thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Lord, I love you. I praise you. I glorify your name. That's like breathing us. Psalms is full of thankful verses. Full of thankful verses. We ought to be thankful in everything. In spite of, say, God, I'm thanking you in the midst of my mourning over this death. I'm thanking you that you are still here with me because you said, blessed are they that mourn for they shall be comforted. God, I'm thanking you. I don't know what happened. I don't know what to do here. I'm confused, but I'm thanking you because you're God and I trust you. I thank you in spite of and in the midst of in everything give thanks. I'm not thanking you for this because I don't understand it. I don't know why it happened. It's a horrible situation, but God, I thank you that you are still God and I don't have to bear this burden because you are God and I thank you giving thanks always and everything for God's will. God's will for That's God's will for you. Well, no, it is God's will. Remember we talking about God's will? For this is God's will for you. Well, no, God's will is, God's will is to be thankful. That's one of the things that God's will is for you is to be, what is God's will for my life? To be thankful. Daily. Not just in November. Daily. 
for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Like I said, the book of Psalms is full of that. So if you want to read verses on thankfulness, just go to the book of Psalms. Verse 21, I'm almost done. Verse 21, last. Submitting to one another in the fear of Christ. Submit to one another in the fear of Christ. Submit means to, to place in order or to rank under. And it's a general a submission of every believer. And, and Paul's setting up for the future verses here, which we'll deal with next week. But um, I want to talk a little bit about, about this. The general principle of submission for all Christians. We are subject to one another. And in the family order, God has an order of things. So in the family, the wife submits to the husband as head and the one who's responsible for the household. So she submits to that. The husband submits to the wife's needs in love and, and, and self-sacrifice and self-giving. As a servant leader, he submits to her needs. Okay, wife submits to the husband, husband submits to the wife. The children submit to the parents as the authority in the home and in obedience to them. Okay, and then the parents submit to the children's needs and bringing them up in the fear and instruction of the Lord. So you see the mutual submission? The wife submits to the husband, the husband submits to the wife, the children submit to the parents, the parents submit to the children. And that brings harmony in the home when it's done. <laughs> now, we know that we all sinners and we all, and if one of these is out of order, it won't cause a problem. If your parents, when your children don't submit, tell me that won't cause a problem with you. So, but in the ideal, and then it says, in the fear of Christ. In other words, as a reverence for God, that's my basis for submission. I submit to, I submit the husband, the wife submits to the husband because of her submission and reverence for God. The husband submits to the wife because of his love and reverence for God. The children submit to the parents because of their love and reverence for God. And the parents submit to the children because of their love and reverence for God. So that's why you do it. Now, there is, a, there is an order, like I said, and Paul's setting up for that in the next few verses about um, how, the, how the house is supposed to be uh, established and all of that, and we'll get into that next week. But we submit to one another, though, in the fear and reverence for God. Amen? All right, now, as we, as we get ready to take communion, I thank God for, for, these, for these verses. Jesus lived this out perfectly for us. He's, he's the epitome of God's wisdom. He's the epitome of God's wisdom. He was full of the Spirit. All of this is Jesus exemplified. 